This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 193, with Keith Wasserman and Joss Satin. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at how to capitalize on the renting renaissance through multifamily syndication. My guests today are Keith Wasserman and Joss Satin from Gelt Inc. Keith Wasserman founded Gelt Inc. in 2008 during the height of the recession and financial meltdown. Keith has been involved in the acquisition of several commercial, industrial, and residential properties, mainly in the western United States, and now totaling over $1 billion in assets. As co-founder of Happy Home Communities in 2017, Keith added the manufactured home venue to the growing list of entrepreneurial ventures he's involved in. He oversees sees the company's operations, marketing, investor relations, acquisitions, leasing, development, and disposition services. Keith not only leads Gelt's charitable giving program, but recently him and Damien Longer formed the Gelt Foundation, a 501c3 public nonprofit whose focus is on helping renters avoid eviction during an unexpected financial emergency. Josh Satin joined Gelt in the fourth quarter of 2016, and he has already been instrumental in several acquisitions as well as helping spearhead Gelt's foray into the manufactured home arena. As Gelt's acquisition manager, Josh seeks out, negotiates, and helps finalize the purchase of properties to add to Gelt's ever-burgeoning portfolio. He has also been instrumental on the investor side, both in building and supporting Gelt's current relationships and also in identifying new investors for selected deals. Joss is a two-time All-American baseball player who was drafted by the New York Mets after completing his degree in political science from the University of California, Berkeley in 2008. He played parts of four Major League Baseball seasons before retiring in 2016. Josh brings with him many years of organized team development, support, and vision, and is a true asset to the Gal team. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja to 44222. To ensure that you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page where previous guests connect with listeners and you get to access a community of people that are on the same journey as you are, where you can network, share information and ideas, and possibly find a 
partner for your next business and deal. When you do become a patron, I will also send you a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at CashflowNinja.com forward slash support. My friend Dave Zook says you can be conventional or you can be wealthy, but you need to pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his company create value for investors looking for higher yield returns from real estate ventures domestically and internationally. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities The Real Asset Investor offers, such as the syndication opportunity at Mahogany Bay Village in Belize or investment opportunities in the multifamily space in the U.S., visit CashflowNinja.com forward slash real asset investor. Gelt Inc. is a multifamily syndicator which has acquired over 6,700 apartment units valued at over $1 billion through a private equity syndication model. Gelt provides its investors with significant cash-on-cash returns while maintaining and enhancing equity invested for the long term. You can reach out to Joss Satin at joss at geltinc.com to learn more. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at joinopsproperties.com. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRAs within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and all the other management headaches, you have to watch the private lending presentation at CashflowNinja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Keith and Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, us, MC. Can you guys share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, definitely. So um, my name is Keith Wasserman. I'm 32 years old, live in Los Angeles, California. And I've always been very entrepreneurial ever since the ripe age of 10 years old. um, You know, my parents, we, we went to Costco, for example, and we went and bought boxes of chocolate bars. And then they would go with me to the park and hold my hand and we would go sell them one by one. So they taught me early on, the value of buying wholesale and selling retail and, and just making money and, you know, the importance of money. And in my family, we really, we didn't talk sports and, uh, you know, entertainment and we, we talked business all the time. So it, it was really educational and um, it was a great grown up experience, you know, started at a young age. And then, you know, my next business venture, I was in high school and um, my dad as an, as an attorney had a lot of apparel clients and I went to one of them and bought these uh, IRs, irregulars, these leather jackets that had small little blemishes on them. And I bought them for like $10 a piece. They retailed for $300 a piece. So I went to sell them to all the students, their parents, the janitorial staff for $100 a piece. And I made as a you know, 17-year-old maybe $10,000, $15,000. And you know, it was, my car was full of these leather jackets. And it was just a great experience learning you know, to negotiate and, you know, to learn that you make money on the buy, really. And it's that lesson has applied to real estate, you know, later on in my journey. Um, but before the real estate, the next business I had was uh, eBay. We, we uh, saw eBay was growing. This was 2003. I just graduated high school. And I started buying stuff at one price and then selling it at another price on eBay. And eBay allowed me to sell to the world, essentially. It was an amazing uh, 
you know, venue. And we, we sold 200,000 items on eBay through my four years of college. I had a, um, a warehouse in Canoga Park here in the LA region, 5,000 square feet with 13 employees we grew it up to. And it was a great experience learning how to run a business, deal with employees, deal with customers. Um, great learning experiences was uh, fairly profitable. And it, um, yeah, and, and, and then we moved on to uh, our next business, which is our current business of Gelt. Um, Gelt literally means money in Yiddish. And um, I picked the word Gelt because it, it sort of has to do with our DNA of giving back. During Hanukkah time, uh, we give Hanukkah Gelt to, um, you know, little children and stuff. And it's these gold coins that have chocolate on the inside. It's just a cute word that uh, signifies, you know, giving. And we've, you know, charity is a big part of what we do. And I'll go into that later. But, um, yeah, I've always been very entrepreneurial. And we, we saw the opportunity to start buying real estate in December of 2008. My, my cousin had then let, let go of his job uh, that he had for five years. This was in the depths of the recession. And what better place to start and, and to, uh, you know, light a fire under, but when, 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 you know, he was out of work and said, you know, this is the time to start. Um, you know, so we moved into my parents' house. I was 24 and he was around 28 and we bought our first four unit building in Bakersfield, California, which is uh, an hour and a half North of LA. It's, um, you know, a town based on oil and agriculture. And we identified this market as being a prime area to invest in because of, you know, during the recession, we thought this, these would be great, a great market to lead out of the recession. And we, we did it. We scraped by, we got an FHA loan, which we only needed three and a half percent down. We maxed out our credit card, $10,000 and we borrowed $5,000 from a friend. And that's what started this business. It put us in the business with one single fourplex and, um, you know, it was an REO bank owned building. We bought it for 150,000. It previously sold for four to five hundred thousand, and we just kept doing this one at a time with bringing in one investor and two investors. And you fast forward to today, we've acquired sixty seven hundred apartment units now. We just uh, surpassed the billion dollar mark, and uh, yeah, it's been an exciting journey. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about it. So, in a quick three minute, you know, that's that's what we're all about here at Gelt. So, so my background is completely different than Keith. I did not grow up talking business. I grew up talking sports and entertainment. Uh, my family was very into sports. Uh, we went to every sporting event that we could find in, in the LA area, Dodgers, Lakers, uh, Kings, you know, um, and that led me to my career. I, uh, went to, I, I played baseball growing up. I got a scholarship to university of California at Berkeley, um, for baseball. I got drafted by the New York Mets in 2008 and I made it to the big leagues in 2011 and was with them from 2011 to 2014. I uh, got sent to Cincinnati in 2015 and my career kind of hit the skids. Um, and here I am. Um, I got into real estate uh, because I got some really, really good advice, which not many people get uh, from some family members. Uh, when I started making some money in baseball in 2011, uh, I remember we were sitting at a family reunion and my uncle said, what, what do you do with your money now that you're making money? I said, I give it to a guy. I don't know what he does. Um, and I feel like that's pretty common, uh, especially with athletes and young, young people that come into some money. He said, if I can give you one piece of advice, invest in real estate and, you know, mostly invest in multifamily real estate. Uh, so what did I do? I listened to him and I put $50,000 into an apartment building. Uh, after that year, uh, I got four quarterly distributions where I got over... I think nine or 10% of my money, 
Uh, and I was like, wow, the guy that I have my money with right now is not giving me nine to 10%. Um, so let's do this again. So the next year I put more and the next year I put more. And by the end of my career, I had hundreds of thousand dollars in the real estate and it was cash flowing really well. We refinanced some of the properties. So, um, I, I got it. Um, you know, I, I was, I was in, uh, they, they got me hooked. So, um, as my career winded down after 2015 and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, um, I kept, I met with a bunch of different people in a bunch of different industries. And every time I met with somebody in, you know, whatever they were doing, an accountant, a lawyer, I kept coming back to, you know, this isn't for me. Real estate is for me. Um, so a friend of mine uh, who went to high school and college with Keith, he said, I kept talking about real estate. All I wanted to do was be in real estate. He's like, you should call a friend of mine. He has this growing business. I think you guys would be perfect together. Uh, so I called Keith. He took me, it took like a month to get back to me. Um, but he eventually did. Uh, and I sat down with him and I didn't really know what to expect. And he said, literally after the meeting, he's like, so do you want to work here or what? And I said, yes, I do. So I've been here ever since. Uh, and I couldn't be happier. No, awesome. And there's so many, uh, really, uh, good things that both of you have said. I want to touch on one thing in particular that, uh, the traditional financial planning model, it's so interesting because when it comes to real estate investing and especially multifamily, the feedback loop is immediate. You know, you put your money in and there's distributions, you know, either quarterly or monthly or however it's set up. Um, so you know if that investment, uh, is working for you and actually creating cash flow where, um, as Josh was just touching on, just giving your money to someone else. You know, the way that it's structured and conventional financial planning, it's going to take you 30 to 35 years to figure out if this guy actually knew what he was doing. Um, so there's a huge delay so that you can't make any adjustments really after 30 to 35 years. And that's the one thing about real estate that there's immediate, you know, if it's working or not, and you can make adjustments along the way as an investor uh, or as an entrepreneur. So just wanted to point that out because that's a, that's a pretty good uh, thing that I just picked up as well. Now, guys, uh, can you share a little bit more about your investment philosophy, uh, your outlook on investments? And is there a checklist that you draw from when you analyze opportunities and, and uh, properties that come across your, across your desk? Yeah, definitely, MC. Um, you know, I'd say I'm definitely a professional opportunist. And, you know, during the 08 and 09, you know, episode of the market, you know, tanking and real estate prices getting crushed, we saw the opportunity to come in and start buying these, these assets. You know, multifamily, people need places to live. And, and what we buy are, I call them, average American working class, you know, B kind of buildings, but in A and B areas. And, you know, we, we, we look to add value through um, fixing any deferred maintenance, uh, repositioning by adding amenities. We've gone in and added um, gymnasium, you know, gyms. We've added dog parks, um, bike rooms. We've totally, you know, fixed items like the, the HVAC, the, the roofs, the asphalt, just to make the place, the curb appeal higher and make it into a nicer community. So we always look for um, uh, properties that, that have those kind of characteristics. But first, we identify a market. So, you know, in 2008, we identified Bakersfield as our first market. It was only an hour and a half, you know, from, from L.A. So we were driving there weekly, um, not too hard to get to. And then the second market we identified was Phoenix. So Phoenix, Arizona, if you rewind back to 08, 09, was decimated, you know, due to the housing boom and housing subsequent housing bust. 
we always knew Phoenix uh, was a thriving metropolitan area. And it was the fifth largest city in the United States. It wasn't going anywhere. Um, they had the immigration bill that passed and a lot of people left the city because of that. But we knew in our hearts that Phoenix was going to have, you know, in the long term, a great turnaround. Little did we know it was going to occur so quickly. So we bought buildings in Phoenix in 2010 and 11. And, you know, not just the cash flow has been great over the, year, the years, but the appreciation has been phenomenal. And, um, you know, it, I don't know how much the listeners know about investing in this kind of commercial, you know, income producing real estate, but you also have something called depreciation, which is a phantom expense that is, um, you know, if you, let's say you earn 8% on your money, you might be able to, in the first few years, it's all sheltered because of this depreciation, which is a phantom line item that you don't really spend out, but you could treat it on your tax return as a, an expense. So it's, um, there's great benefits of owning real estate. And most people that have money have either made it through real estate or grown it over time with real estate. And, you know, that's what I've learned along the way, meeting all my dad's very successful clients. And it's just a great way to, to grow wealth over time. And, um, you know, we, we buy apartment buildings that are well occupied, so there's cash flow right away, but that have value add where we can, you know, lift the rents through repositioning them. And it's, it's just a really good winning formula. You're not taking exorbitant amount of risk and you're creating really good returns in the process. I think uh, one thing that we do that kind of differentiates us from a lot of groups is that we're not afraid of older products, um, I mean properties. And, uh, you know, we take 70s, 80s built properties because uh, Keith's partner um, and cousin Damien uh, is an expert on the physical asset of an apartment building. He knows all the HVACs, the plumbing, inside and out. And it doesn't, it allows us to not be fearful of, you know, what can happen with some of these old buildings. Um, and I think it gives us an upper hand uh, in what we can buy and the kind of returns we can get because of that. Yeah, sticking on you guys, we're talking about the markets that you're identifying. What's your views currently on the real estate market? And uh, talk about the different uh, niches that you guys operate in because they're all a little bit different. If you guys don't mind touching on multifamily and commercial retail and mobile home parks and so forth. And then uh, you guys have mentioned some specific states that you have invested in and targeting. Are, are there other states on the radar and why? Yeah, definitely. So um, firstly, you know, it, unless you're living under a rock, you could, you see what's going on with retail. Um, you have the 800 pound gorilla Amazon. And, you know, I used to go to Target all, every week and buy things for the house. Now I just get packages delivered from Amazon. The ease of use and, you know, the cost savings and Amazon is just crushing, and not just Amazon, just e-retail in general, but Amazon is, is decimating retail left and right. The only retailers that are doing well in these areas are destinations where you want to go for an experience, uh, such as a restaurant or to get a haircut or, you know, but, but mainly if you could buy something online, you know, why go to a physical store? So I'm very, um, you know, pessimistic on retail as a, an asset class, uh, unless you buy a retail center and, and totally, you know, reposition it into a different use, you know, maybe scrape it and build a apartment community or, um, you know, reposition it maybe into a creative office. And then you go to office space in general, and that's changing tremendously because you have people working remotely. You don't have the same need as the same, you know, large offices. And the amount of, you know, workers per square foot has, has increased. So you don't need the same amount of square footage. So um, I think there's just a tremendous um, pressure on office space in general. You see declining rents in most markets in office space, um, you know, it's just a totally different, you have the, the, the rise of creative uh, office and then the rise of 
collaborative office like WeWork, et cetera. So there's been tremendous change in there. Um, and then, but apartments, there's always going to be, people need a place to live that's affordable and in a good area. And we buy, you know, in areas that are very infill where you could walk to restaurants and shops and, you know, places where people want to live in infill locations, not on the outskirts of town. And, um, yeah, it's been a winning formula. We started in, you know, Bakersfield, moved to Phoenix. And then, you know, then we targeted Salt Lake City was, was, uh, years ago, we started investing in Salt Lake. We've acquired a thousand units there. And that's one of our top markets. It's, it's the uh, youngest state in the nation. It's growing tremendously quick. It has very low unemployment. Um, it's got all this, the signs of uh, a market that you want to be in for the, for the long run. Um, real estate is a not get rich quick kind of thing. You, you want to, you know, really, and it's hard to time. So you want to just con- continue to park money, good product, productive real estate. And as long as you're able to hold throughout the recessions, because every look back, you know, 80 years, there's been 15 recessions or whatnot. So, but as long as you're able to withstand the recessions, don't over leverage, um, hold a lot of reserves. And we do all that. Plus we also, um, we get long-term fixed rate financing in all, all our deals. Interest rates are historically the lowest they've ever been. So we lock those in for as long as we can, 10 years, 12 years. And um, we know there's, there, we don't have that interest rate risk. There's very little uncertainty. We'll know the mortgage payment for 12 years. That's fixed. And yet while you have inflation, you're going to have rising rents over time. Even if you have a few periods of you know, depressed rents for a little bit, if there's a, a recession, whenever that'll occur. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just uh, been great for us. Um, and then from Salt Lake, we moved into Reno, Nevada. Uh, we're now in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico was our latest acquisition. We're very excited about that market. I'll have Josh touch on that. Uh, Denver, Colorado, and Southern California. So we're, uh, we're actually in seven different states now. Um, I like being geographically, geographically diverse for our investors, not putting all our eggs in one basket. I always recommend our investors putting a little bit of money into all the deals rather than a lot of money to one deal. Um, you know, you never know with, with, with one market what's going to happen. And, but we pick the best markets, usually secondary markets, where we can create some great cash flow and also the uh, long-term appreciation. So, so we look for in, you know, uh, some of our, our benchmarks uh, in a market that we look for is we want high demand, low supply. Um, but in a market like Denver, uh, where supply is being built, it, it doesn't really uh, scare us because um, the new properties that are being built are, are newer uh, and they're, it's for a different demographic. Our rents are almost half of what uh, the new supply in Denver is. So, it still gives us room to raise rents uh, and doesn't really compromise uh, our tenant base much. So um, I think that's where, like I mentioned earlier, um, the kind of properties that we are buying right now uh, gives us a, a slight advantage. Um, and then we went into Albuquerque about, uh, I think we closed a month or two ago um, on Albuquerque. Um, and the reasons were because, where we are in the, in the cycle right now, I felt we felt that Albuquerque was the type of market that will be sustained throughout whatever downturn it is going to happen and beyond. Uh, there's very, very little supply. I think there's 800 total units coming on board in Albuquerque in the next five years. Uh, you can't really find that anywhere. Also in the downturn in 2008, I think there was two properties over 50 units that were lost to the bank. Uh, you in other markets that we're in and, and beyond. I mean, there's countless other uh, properties uh, and Albuquerque is growing. They have a, a small te- influx of, of tech, co- tech companies. 
Uh, I know Facebook just bought some, a data center there that's going to bring a, a thousand plus employees. Hulu's following them. Uh, and there could be, you know, space is cheap in Albuquerque compared to San Francisco and then Denver now and then Portland. Uh, so I think there's opportunity for some of these tech companies that are expanding to bring some people there. And that'll only benefit our investment. Uh, when we look at a, a market like Albuquerque, um, you know, what I saw, so I went to visit there the, the first time. And when I, when I pulled into the um, area where our property is, the first thing I noticed was there was a Whole Foods borderline next door and a Sprouts, you know, a block away. And to me, that felt, wow, this is an area that is, you know, for a high quality tenant, even though the rents aren't that high, um, there's, that means there's room for growth. There was countless restaurants. Everyone we talked to said it was the go-to area for bars and, and you know, shops and the best, whatnot. The best school system. Also. The best school system yeah. in the area. There's a, a private school there that's one of the best in the country, uh, elementary school. So it just added up for us. Um, and not to mention we bought it at a reasonable cap rate where cash flow was um, fairly high. Uh, but but what we did first was we, we analyzed the property before. You know, we did some research on the market, but you never know until you get there. So we analyzed the property. We're like, wow. Cash flow here would be really high if it's a market that we believe in, in an area we believe in. Then this is this could be a go. And so we we flew out there, uh, and when I saw all those things and saw what was going on in the area, um, you know, it, it was a go for us. Not not every area in Albuquerque would be a go, but this, uh, you know, for anyone outside of of that lives in LA, I thought this was like the Brentwood, Santa Monica of Albuquerque was where we bought. I, I don't know if you know where that is, but um, you know, to me it was it was a high quality area. Um, with an asset that was still a working class asset. Yeah, and in, in general, you know, we, we've always been pretty contrarian. And a lot of the larger investment groups, they sort of redline Albuquerque. It's not a sexy market and, and whatnot. But, you know, you know, what's, you know what's sexy to me is cash flow. So and we're, on, we're on Cash Flow Ninja. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, the cash flow there, you know, is remarkable for a newer, relatively new asset. And, you know, the, the market's growing. Occupancy has grown. The second most in the nation to, uh, I think Honolulu was number one in terms of occupancy growth. And that's because, like Josh said, there's been no new construction practically. And you have a rising population. And, you know, it's very affordable and, and a great place to live. And, uh, you know, it's a market that we really like. Um, another, you asked about what niches we, we also went into. Um, another one that, you know, hasn't been, you know, a, a sexy, it's not skyscrapers we're buying. We're, we're buying mobile home parks, manufactured housing communities. And, you know, we have a new venture called Happy Home Communities. And we love that that specific niche. Um, I've, I've always wanted to get into the business. We've looked at a lot of parks. We just weren't feeling comfortable pulling the trigger just because we didn't have the experience. But we, we just brought on a gentleman um, named Ellie Davis, who is a, a top regional manager at Sun Communities which is the number two largest owner operator of mobile home parks in the nation. And yeah, he, he's our partner in the business. He runs all the operations and Josh helps uh, on the acquisition front. And um, we, uh, by the end of next month, we're going to have 700 plus spaces uh, under our, our direct ownership. And we like mobile home parks in general because a, it's the most affordable housing out there that people own. Um, you know, there, there's some parks that have, we call it park owned homes where the, the, the owner of the park owns the homes, but that's not the, the, the ideal situation. The ideal situation is the park owner, the owner of us would own the, the community, but the specific homes are owned by the residents. Thus the, repair, the, the, the operating costs are very low because the structure, they have to take care of anything that goes on with, with um, their unit. 
And also the, the residents live there a long time. They're very loyal. It's a nice community. And contrary to, you know, the, the name mobile home, it's very immobile. It costs a lot of money to move these things. Um, so, you know, people rarely move out. And if they do, they usually sell their home and uh, you'll have a new renter paying the, we call it the lot, lot rent. And um, like, for example, our, our park in Bakersfield, we bought a 90 space park as our first one. It was $5.4 million. Uh, it's generating already after the first, first quarter annual, annualized returns north of 9%. And we've had zero move-ins, zero moves out, move-outs. And we're taking care of the community, upgrading it. by we added, We're adding a sport court. Um, there's one vacant space that we're going to be uh, buying a home and then, and then selling. So we're, we're going to get more lot rent going. Um, we're, we totally uh, uh, re-renovated the clubhouse and the, um, the pool area where we added new pool furniture and, and, and just making a nicer place, have, you know, having, raising the pride of ownership. We're having potlucks where we provide a, um, a lot of the food and drinks and get the residents together. And um, yeah, it, it, mobile home parks is great. There, there's very, um, very few new mobile home parks being built in this country. I say less than 10. So this on a supply and demand, you have, a dwindling supply because most, a lot of parks are being redeveloped into higher and better uses. And there's no new ones being formed because cities, they rather have um, other properties that provide more, more sales tax and property taxes, et cetera. And um, a lot of places don't want those in their backyard, et cetera, you know, the NIMBYs and stuff. But so you have a dwindling supply and people need affordable places to live. And, you know, it, it just fits into our, you know, thesis of buying affordable places that are provide nice, safe, you know, living for people in a nice community. And, um, you know, it's, it's it, they're great cash flow. The parks we're buying are 9% and higher in, in annualized cash on cash returns. And we're, we're, we're very excited about scaling this up. Our, our goal is to, uh, you know, be at 2000 units, you know, 2000 spaces by next year and, uh, to acquire around, you know, 2000 spaces per year after they're on after that. The turnover isn't that very, very high too, because especially if they own the the mobile home, um, I mean, you don't necessarily want to move that to a, to a different lot. And what you guys are doing too, creating a, a ton of value for uh, the residents uh, in the mobile home parks and the multifamily bu- buildings that you're in, uh, and also for your investors. So there's a very good sync that you guys had, and I like the value adds uh, that you guys bring to the table as well for the projects that you are you are involved in. Yeah, and, and also we, we feel the, the mobile home park space is sort of like the student housing space was 10 years ago. Before there was a lot of institutional, you know, bigger ownership groups. There's very few. It's a very mom and pop oriented. And we, we feel like, you know, the mom and pops have owned them for a long time. They they really haven't raised rents that much. They haven't really taken good care. They're, they're, they're sort of, a lot of these parks have been inherited by the second and third generation. And we're selectively picking off, you know, parks that that need some you know tlc some love and care and that's you know that's what josh and ellie are experts at is uh you know reinvigorating these communities breathing some new life into them and in the process providing great you know cash and cash returns for our investors the mobile home park it's a similar reason why we started investing in albuquerque uh in the apartment sector because at this point it's it's you know prices are high but if you can get an asset that's stable uh with with minimal risk uh there's always some risk but with with lower risk and uh High cash on cash returns. I think it's it's a smart play at this point where we are in the business cycle. You're listening to Keith Wasserman and Josh Satin on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. 
Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. You're listening to Keith Wasserman and Josh Satin on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. And now back to our interview. Let's talk about rising capital because that that's obviously, uh, you know, Keith, as, as you were saying, you start small, you grew, you grew, and then you had to bring in investors. And a very yeah. big part of, of the syndication model is that uh, and, and providing value for them. Can you share a little, a couple of ninja tricks uh, and some strategies of, of how to raise capital and also uh, share some strategies where some investors might not even know that they have certain assets available to invest in real estate, uh, how you guys uncover some of those as well? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, they, they call me the money man for a reason. I'm the one that, that raises all the money for the company. And in the, <laughs> beginning, in, the be, in the beginning, I did everything, you know, with my cousin Damien. We, 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 we did every single thing. And now that we're a, a shop of, you know, we have 17 staff, I've really focused really on marketing and raising money. And it all started, you know, with, with, with our own money. We put our own money at risk. And then we brought in family member money. And then that one family member brought in a friend. And it's really just gr- grown through our reputation and building a track record. It's, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. It's, 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 there's no get rich quick. You know, it's been one investor at a time. I remember driving to Bakersfield, listening to Napoleon Hills, think and grow rich and, you know, freaking out, how am I going to raise my first $100,000? And, you know, over the time, you know, the deals have just gotten bigger and bigger because I always tell people it takes the same amount of time and energy to buy a 20 unit building as a 200 unit building. And you can make a lot more money on the 200 unit building. So as we continue to grow, and there's less competition usually for, for the larger, you know, assets and especially the older ones that we, we really are, um, you know, that's our, that's our niche is buying, you know, 70s, 80s built buildings. And I, we call it running it like a Honda, taking great care of it, but don't over improve it. Um, you don't want to, you know, spend more than a certain amount of money on, on the, on the unit because you just won't get the extra rent. Um, so we're experts in that. And uh, yeah, I'd say, you know, we have over 400 individual investors now. We've raised $250 million in this method. And it's, um, you know, it's been great. We have personal, you know, relationships with each and every one of our investors. I know them personally. We've, you know, taken them to lunch. We've taken them to the properties. We've spent time with them. And they really appreciate that. We send quarterly newsletters along with the quarterly distributions. Uh, we're an open book. You know, if people have questions about any of the operations on the properties, we're happy to put them in touch with our asset managers who can, you know, answer any questions they have. Um, we're proud to say an investor has never lost a single dollar with Gelt. We, we, one of our, our first investor on one of our fourplexes, um, was, I think, you know, lost a little bit of money. We came out of our own pocket to make them whole. And I think that has to do with, with the, the whole thing about what I've learned from my father is it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but an instant to, to break one. And we're all about creating a great reputation and, um, you know, we, we, we treat our residents with the utmost, you know, care and respect and, and our investors, we consider them our golden geese. You know, we give them the white glove treatment because they are laying the golden eggs for us. If we didn't have investors, I would be, you know, playing around with one fourplex and trying to turn it to two fourplexes still and not creating, you know, a large company that provides for, you know, we, we have 400 families that are investing with us. And I'd say a lot of them, they, they really, this is all their sole income, you know, is, is through these, uh, 
these um, real estate investments because it provides pretty uh, substantial and consistent cash flow. And um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, another book, I don't know if we were talking about books, but to, another book I recommend is one of my mentors. His name is Sam Freshman, and he wrote the Bible on uh, real estate syndication. It's called Principles of Real Estate Syndication by Sam Freshman. That was the first book I read, you know, after Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And that really taught me a lot of strategies on syndication. Well, I have a little different uh, perspective on investors than he does because I was an investor. Um, before I worked here, I was the guy that people were trying to raise money for. So I, I know what people are looking for, especially in my, um, my old position. So um, for me, a big part of finding investors is education. Um, a lot of people do not know, A, that this kind of investment exists and that it's available uh, you know, for the common man that, that has some extra money to, uh, to invest. So um, that's a big part of what I do is, is educating, uh, you know, not just athletes, but, uh, you know, people in general that, that don't really know anything about this business, just as I did seven years ago when I was introduced, uh, you know, to multifamily real estate. Um, you know, also, like he said, getting to know the investor, you know, one-on-one, taking the time out to speak with them. Um, you know, both Keith and I are always available, you know, to talk to I, I, we, you know, we get countless calls a day uh, from investors um, that want to know either how the property is doing, the nits, nuts and bolts of, uh, you know, the new acquisition that we have that they're thinking about investing in. In, in the last deal that we did, uh, which was in Denver, um, I think we had 150 investors. Uh, I, I would estimate that between he and I, we spoke to at least 120 of them on the phone with, you know, talking about the same spiel, but uh, it gives them a sense of, you know, why we're in this property and, you know, the detail about what we're planning on doing to the property. And for me, as when I was an investor, that was important knowing, you know, what's the plan. Um, and, you know, like we talked about earlier, that's one of the things I love about real estate is there is a plan. Whereas, you know, when you're investing sometimes in the, in the stock market, like what, what's the plan? There is no real, real plan of action. You just are kind of, you know, you read some things, but here there's an asset, there's a plan of how to make it better plan of how to raise rents and lower expenses and a plan on how to make more money, um, you know, on the property. Uh, so we like to divulge all that to all of our investors that are interested. That's so important. And, and you're talking about education because that's a big thing as you know, uh, we had it in our previous, in our uh, earlier discussion, we talked about interest rates being so low. Now we have this huge demographic of, you know, over 70 million baby boomers retiring the next couple of 18 years. And through a lot of qualified retirement plans at 70 and a half, these guys and gals are forced to withdraw money from those qualified plans. And the big question then becomes, well, what do I do with it? It's not necessarily I can put stick this in a CD and love off the interest in a bank account. So then that becomes an option uh, to look at opportunities such as this. And that, that's where definitely where the education comes in and just knowing that there are options uh, such as this out there that's backed by hard assets as, such as real estate and have the proper management function and team in place. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, the management is, is another, uh, you know, quality of our firm that um, I think, you know, we, we're very um, skilled at choosing. We always outsource our management companies, but we have in every market we're in, we vet a lot of these companies and the ones that we're really in like Denver, where we have almost 1500 units, uh, you know, we've identified a management company 
that is really good at tenant relations and lowering expenses. I think those are two of the major keys um, to running a property to its fullest extent. Now, uh, for my listeners out there, what are some of the ways to vet and evaluate some of the syndicators out there? What are good things to look for? We've spoken about the track record, the importance of management, and so forth. What would you advise uh, some of my listeners out there that's listening to this and saying, well, how do I kind of evaluate some of the syndicators that are out there? Yeah, I think, you know, the number one thing is reputation. We, you know, whenever, like, for example, whenever we make an offer, we always provide a character reference list and we have a reference list of all the different people we've done business with the brokers, the bankers, the lenders, you know, um, even the sellers, the sellers, the property management companies, we provide their contact information and we say, please call, reach out to any of these people. Uh, if someone's looking to invest with us, I have, you know, a list of numerous investors that could vouch for us that have known, you know, us for a long time. Really when you're investing, you're not only investing in the real estate, but you're really investing in us is what I always tell people. Um, you're, because you know, when, when, when tough things get tough, you're, you're, you're relying on us to figure things out when, 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 you know, things are good, every, you know, everything's good, but you're really investing in us and our character and, um, you know, our reputation, I, I'd say. So, yeah, I would say, uh, it, it's real character is really important in, in a syndicator, um, because there's a lot of great assets out there, but not everyone can run them the same way. So, um, you know. I would say reputation and how, you know, track record, but character of the, the syndicator and, and do they have the investor's best interests at heart? Because, um, you know, for us, uh, sometimes it, uh, I, the way we structure, I, we're always aligned with our investors um, in the way we, um, you know, divvy out our uh, cash flow. Um, and I think that it allows us not to be forced to sell in two years because it might get a small pop, even though from the investor standpoint, you know, getting double digit cash flow for the next 10 years might be the best thing. So um, I think it's, it's really crucial to know, are the, is the syndicator out for the investor's best interest or for their own best interest, even though, you know, everyone wants to do well, but um, you know, we know that our investors are our lifeblood and uh, you know, we're always looking out for them, you know, the most. Now, guys, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is, is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you guys currently studying? What new skill sets are you guys currently learning? Um, I say I'm definitely learning as much as I can about the mobile home park space, speaking to other owners, the lenders, to Ellie, really just jumping in headfirst and learning as much as I can about this because it is a newer space for me. Um, and then, you know, I read all the time. I read every day the Wall Street Journal. Um, I get a lot of my news from Twitter actually, because I follow people in the, in the uh, real estate space. So I'm always reading up on that. Um, always just trying to learn and speak to other veterans in the industry. And I have a lot of these as, as our mentors that have taught us some, some great, you know, nuggets of, of wisdom. Um, I'll, I'll share a little bit, uh, of the secrets with the, with the cash flow ninjas out there. So, uh, for number one is it's better to re regret, uh, not buying a property, than to regret buying a property that's going to cause real problems and, and such. Um, two, I've learned is to fall in love with your bank account. Don't fall in love with any specific property. Uh, for me, uh, what am I studying? I, I, I listen to a boatload of podcasts, including the Cashflow Ninja. Um, you know, I, I probably have over ten podcasts on my my phone that I'm constantly, you know, listening to new episodes. A lot of them real estate, but a lot of them business in general. Um, you know, I, I just like hearing about people that have, you know, built something from scratch and, you know, now it's 
you know, worth, a, a, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and how they really did it, how they had it came from an idea, uh, you know, and, and, and created something special. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts on real estate, uh, a lot of mobile home park podcasts, uh, because that's new to us and we're, we're learning every single day, um, the ins and outs of the business. Uh, and then a lot of podcasts like these where it's, it's just different kinds of people that, um, are doing different things in the financial sector, um, that all kind of coexist. Um, and a lot of them I don't know much about. Um, unlike Keith, I, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't grow up in, in like with a business background or anything. I was all sports all the time. So, um, I'm really the last like five years I've been really playing catch up, but I've been trying to, you know, fill myself with, with loads of information. Not all of it sticks at once, but if I keep, you know, learning more and more about different things, um, you know, they, they eventually stick, uh, you know, I can go through podcasts, but there's so many good ones out there, uh, you know, that people should be listening to whenever I drive. I used to, every time I drive, I used to listen to like sports talk radio and that would just make me angry because the people would <laughs> talk about stuff that I don't agree with. And I always think that I'm more qualified than them in that realm. But with these podcasts, I know that I'm not quite as qualified as some of the people. So I'm just like a sponge. I, I soak everything in. So I stop listening to sports talk radio. Uh, and every time I drive, I have about a 20 minute drive to work every day. Uh, I listen to different podcasts. Uh, sometimes even when I get in the office, I have to continue the podcast because I just need to know what the next thing that this person's saying. Um, so that's, that's how I learn and that's how I study. Uh, I'm not much of a reader, even though I've read a few books, but recently, but I'm, I'm more of a podcast listener. Gotcha. And the ability with podcasts and, and books, uh, audio books is you can turn any environment basically into a, into a classroom, uh, and learn something new, which is wonderful. Uh, now guys, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset values and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them, to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Yeah, see, that, that's a good question. And it's very poignant for Josh and I, as we both um, just had our first child uh, within the last uh, year, year and a half together. We both have, uh, well, not together, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we, we, both, we both have beautiful baby girls. Uh, my daughter's 20 months at this time. Josh's daughter is now 10 months. 10 months. And, you know, it really hits home once you have children. I yeah. say, I'd say in life, you know, what I've learned from my parents and I want to pass on to my child is to let, let, you know, the child experiment with a lot of things and until they really find what they're passionate about. And, and then once they find what they're passionate about, develop a real deep expertise in, in what they're passionate about. And, you know, I'm reading a book about that, that talks about how you could have like a job a, or a career or a calling. And, you know, it's just the way you look at something and, um, I think, you know, if you have passion about what you're doing and you bring new and innovative ideas to it, um, you know, you're going to be a very happy person. And number two, I'd say importance is invest in people. Um, I, I've grown this business, you know, not because I'm smart and stuff, but I've, I've, you know, invested in other people that are smarter than I am, treated them like family. Um, and they've helped us grow to where we are today. Um, we're very charitable you know, as we've become wealthier, we've given back more and more. It's in our DNA. We just started um, something called the Gelt Foundation, which is very, you know, very interesting and, and sort of has to do with what we're doing. What it is, it's it's uh, providing rental assistance for, for renters that are at risk of being evicted. So um, Tina Oswald here in her office, who, who ran um, Mike Rose Dirty Jobs, uh, he was a character on D Dirty Jobs, that was his show. Um, she, she ran his foundation. 
was recently hired here, and we're, fa- we're forming the Gelt Foundation in order to really help residents, not just our own residents, but residents all over the country in, in you know, renters from mobile home parks to uh, apartments to homes, uh, you know, responsible people that fell upon a hard time. They lost a job. They had a, you know, major car, you know, incident or a medical bill. You know, I read a stat that 60% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. So people, you know, they could earn, they could earn and pay the rent. But if there's any big one-time expense, they, they really have a trouble. So we're very proud about the Gelt Foundation that's in formation. Um, and then, the, oh, and then the third thing that we've really talked about a lot is reputation. And that's, that's another thing that I, I you know, pass on to the, the next generation about how it takes a lifetime to build and an instance to break. Um, so those are my three things. Charity's huge here. Uh, Keith, Keith is really big on charity, and, and we play in a ton of charity golf tournaments. Uh, we do a lot of contributions. We go to, uh, you know, charity meetings. Um, just giving back um, because we're fortunate to be, you know, in the spot we are today, and not everyone is this fortunate. Um, but uh, another uh, message that I want to give is, is when I stopped playing baseball a couple years ago, uh, I had some people reach out to me for no reason other than they heard I was a nice guy and they were very instrumental in helping me transition from sports uh, to the next chapter of my life. Uh, these were very successful guys that um, just, you know, from the bottom of their heart, just wanted to help people, trans, you know, do new things and find their way. Uh, and some of these guys, uh, one in particular, um, I sit down with him once a month for breakfast and we speak, you know, more often than that. Uh, and just talk about, and he's not even in the real estate business, but just talk about what I'm doing you know, my progress here, uh, what I'm learning and, you know, the future here. Uh, and it's, it's super helpful and it, it means a lot. So when, when I get to a point, you know, hopefully in, in 10, 20, whatever years, um, that's something I'm going to do, uh, for young kids that are, you know, it's just tough for them to find their way. Uh, not that it was tough for me, but I was 30 years old and I had never worked a, a job other than being a professional athlete. And I really did not know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and it's, it's really made a, a, a lot of difference, uh, you know, for me in my career and in, in my life. Um, so I would say that's, that's a message is help people that, that need help. Um, you know, whether it be charity or just someone that, you know, uh, that, you know, is looking to find his way, his or her way, uh, in the world, um, and help them do so. And it's pretty rewarding. Um, you know, these couple guys that have done that for me, uh, we built a really good relationship and, and it's a two-way street. I, I provide them some, some things, you know, some things, and they, they provided me a lot more. Yeah, I, I'm not just the money, but I'm, I'm also giving my time. I'm, I'm a big brother of, of five years. Uh, my little guy was 11 years old when he started with me. Now he's 16, and it's uh, been really rewarding to, you know, spend time and see him grow. And, yeah, like Josh says, I think I get a lot back in return, you know, seeing that relationship blossom. And, um, yeah, it's just exciting. It, it, my little guy, Jaron, is, is a huge avid Mets fan, for example. He has a, an Instagram page with 60,000 viewers, and uh, he was uh, in love when he met Josh, you know, a big <laughs> Mets player. And it, it's, uh, we went to games together, and, you know, it's, 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 a, lot of, it's a lot of fun giving back also. So. No, wonderful, and congratulations on the birth and uh, the new arrivals for both of you. Uh, so, yes. So I know exactly what you guys mean. I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat with that one. A little baby, a little baby boy. So that uh, that was about three months ago. Ah, congratulations! Oh, my, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Um, for the listeners out there, uh, where can they find out more information about Gelt? Uh, where can they reach out to you? Um, and uh, where can they access some of the resources of what you guys are involved with? 
Yeah, definitely. We'd be more, more than happy to share that. So our website's always the good start. It's uh, www.geltinc, G-E-L-T, and then I-N-C for incorporated.com. Um, my email address is the best way to reach me. It's Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at geltinc.com. And uh, Josh over here is Josh at geltinc.com. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. I also am avidly using LinkedIn. So if you want to see me on LinkedIn or on Twitter, um, you know, I have a, a Twitter account I'm very active on also, as is Josh. Those are great ways to keep in touch with us. And yeah, if you, if you want to, uh, you know, give us an email or a call, our office line here is 818-676-9362. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. It's been a blast connecting with you guys. Thanks, MC. We appreciate it. Thanks for your time, MC. Thanks, everyone out there. Come contact us. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Thank you for joining my guests, Keith Wasserman and Josh Satin on the Cashflow Ninja today. For more information about Gelt Inc., you can go to geltinc.com. That's geltinc.com. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life. So if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gashku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and that awesome Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at cashflowninja.com forward slash support. Gelt Inc. is a multifamily owner which has acquired over 6,700 apartment units valued at over $1 billion through a private equity syndication model. Banking on the renter revolution amongst millennials and baby boomers, all-time low home ownership rates, and a major shortage of well-located apartments at affordable price points, Gelt has provided its investors with consistent cash-on-cash returns while maintaining and enhancing equity invested for the long term. For more information on how to achieve sustainable yield for the long term, you can email Josh Satin at josh at geltinc.com. Smart investors know that the banks actually don't own most automatic teller machines. In fact, the opportunity for private investment provides stellar passive returns, figures in the double digits, with the added bonus that most of the income is tax-free. Who wants to walk blindly past an ATM and not cash in on that opportunity? ATM machine ownership brings you a steady stream of hands-off passive income. 
Dave Zook and the Real Asset Investor team have been providing opportunities for investors in this uptrending activity of ATM use. If you're an accredited investor and would like more information on how you can invest in this exclusive asset class that very few investors will ever have access to, sign up for your free webinar on how to create income streams from ATMs at cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They have designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinupsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRA within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and all the other management headaches that comes along with it, you have to watch the private lending presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning in the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 